We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we have some news, some offseason news. The 49ers announced some coaching hires that some we knew were coming, some are some were new. We'll go over kind of the important things from an announcement of 14 new hires slash title changes. And then we'll get into the running back situation with the 49ers via Saquon Barkley. Uh, potentially being traded in the 49ers, being one of the betting favorites to land him. So we'll talk about Saquon Barkley and the 49ers running back position as a whole. Let's get into it. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. A stunner on Monday, Chris. The 49ers hired Brian Gracie as their quarterback's coach. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> uh, they officially announced it on Monday. I think word came out last Friday that right. that's the direction they were going, as reported by Adam Schefter. And it's, I think it's an interesting hire uh, from the standpoint of, you know, this is somebody who's never coached before. Like not uh, even high school. Right. Not at any level. He comes straight from the Monday night football booth. And when you look at the composition of the staff and, you know, Clay Kubiak, a longtime coach who Kyle Shanahan's familiar with, obviously the son of, of Gary Kubiak, who Shanahan is tied to very closely along with his father. Um, And then you have Bobby Slowick, who's still going to be around as the passing game coordinator. But when you look at Kyle Shanahan, Clay Kubiak and uh, Slowick, one thing that I think they all have in common is none of them have played quarterback at a high level, right? Or, or any level in, in Shanahan's case. Um, and so when you look at just sort of the, the composition of the quarterback room, and obviously the goal is to develop Trey Lance, you have three sort of X's and O's coaching gurus, right? And now you bring in an NFL veteran quarterback to potentially provide 
maybe something similar to what like a veteran backup would provide in like, you know, Hey, I've been there. This is what it's like to absorb the offense. It's not a bunch of, I mean, it, it with, with Shanahan, he's obviously running the show and he's the most important guy and he's going to be the one coaching up Trey Lance the most, but what you get in greasy is I think the value of someone who's played the position whereas that's generally what the staff has lacked. Does that mean it's going to work? We have no idea, right? But at least Greasy has familiarity having played for Mike Shanahan in a very similar offense, obviously the Kubiak offense too. Um, and I, I would imagine if, if, if and when we get Brian Greasy on the record in a press conference, he'll say something to the effect of, you know, he really – sort of he he's he's known Kyle Shanahan for a while obviously Shanahan was um was an assistant on that Buccaneers staff that uh when Greasy was a buck for a little while late in his career obviously the familiarity with Mike but I think you know they'll talk about production meetings right like similar to what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan talked about when their Mm -hmm. relationship was developing before Lynch threw his name in the hat to be Shanahan's GM um I think it might be something similar with Greasy in that hey we you know, we reconnected a little bit in these production meetings. He got to know Trey Lance a little bit. They had some, you know, off the record conversations about Trey Lance. Maybe there was some pre-draft stuff about Trey Lance that Greasy really liked. And, you know, there's all the high character stuff that you hear about Trey Lance and and a lot of NFL people gushed about him in those terms um, before the draft. And Greasy could have very well been one of those guys and said, you know, look, I, if I'm going to jump into coaching, working under Kyle Shanahan with a talented prospect like Trey Lance would make a lot of sense in terms of dipping your toe into the water for the first time. But again, this is somebody who's never coached before. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting, but I I do like the dichotomy between Greasy's background as a player and then sort of the coaches, the other coaches backgrounds who have been coaches throughout basically their entire career. I think that's a nice mix, but again, I have no idea if it's going to work, right? It's it's impossible. It's a weird hire. Yeah, yeah, it's because, a weird hire. Because when when Scangarello left to take the offensive coordinator job for the University of Kentucky, the sentiment with that was, okay, well, whoever they hire is going to have a big job. Like, it's not just, okay, quarterback's coach for Tom Brady. Like, this was going to be a, a person and a coach who was going to have fingerprints all over Trey Lance's development and to hire, and this isn't bashing it because we don't know if it's going to work or not, but to hire a coach who has never coached before and has been in the broadcast booth. And maybe that, maybe that works out fine. Maybe that's better that greasy has been away from the game as a player and has been kind of viewing it from 30,000 feet as a, as a broadcaster and seeing how the game has changed and seeing how offense has changed. And he's familiar with Kyle Shanahan and we know all that, but (laughs) is familiarity with Kyle Shanahan from 2004 and 2005 when Shanahan was just getting into coaching going to be super valuable. Like, I don't think so. And I just, I'm, it's very much a, I have to see something first before, like, I just, I don't, 
this feels weird to me. Like this feels like one of those things that could very, very easily backfire. Yeah, potentially. But I, I mean, I, it's definitely out of the box. Yes. Right? It's definitely out of the box. This is not, you know, it's, it's not a traditional hire in, in any sense, but it does make sense because so much of the NFL and coaching circles and hires, it's all, it's a relationship business, like a lot of other mm-hmm. things, right? And that ultimately could be what this is, is a product of, of the relationship business. Um, I tend to think that Kyle Shanahan is really going to do most of the coaching, uh, particularly with the quarterbacks, right? Like Kyle Shanahan <laughs> basically bet his coaching career on Trey Lance. Um, I do not anticipate Kyle Shanahan is going to be very hands-off with Trey Lance at all. And so I think ultimately Kyle Shanahan is going to serve essentially as the offensive coordinator, the play caller, obviously, and the quarterback's coach. And then everybody else is just going to provide input and sort of be a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from that standpoint, like I said, the, the mix of having a former player in there with all these coaches who haven't played at an NFL level, I, I think does make sense. But yeah, there's there's a potential it backfires, but also like how much power does a quarterback's coach have over the outcome of whether or not a quarterback successful? Because I, I, frankly, I don't know. Sure. Right. And like, even if, if greasy's bad, like is, if it gets bad, you know, is it going to be that Trey Lance plays poorly and then we all point to Brian greasy, or is it going to be a Kyle Shanahan problem? Cause I tend to think it's going to be more of a Kyle Shanahan problem because he's going to be the one coaching Trey Lance as much, if not more than anybody else. That's fair. It's an interesting hire, though. I'm very curious to hear about how it all came together. Yeah. Um, and we're probably not going to get that from from Shanahan uh, until, I don't know, free agency and whenever in a couple weeks. But um, it's certainly interesting. I can't imagine. I imagine there was some vetting process. Like Brian Greasy pr- probably, I'm guessing here, came to Shanahan at some point early this season or earlier this season and said, Hey, thinking about getting into coaching, what do you think? And um, there was probably some level of a vetting process there. I don't imagine Brian Greasy called Kyle Shanahan last week and said, Hey, I heard you got a QB coach opening. Yeah. Can I have it? <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. One, it one was, thing. It's just very out of the blue. Yeah. And it might be, I mean, it, it very well could be like similar to the John Lynch hire and like John saying like, Hey, I think this would be a good job for me. Let me reach out to Kyle. Cause we vibed in production. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it could be something like that. Um, one thing I I've, I've heard from about Scangarello. I, I don't think. Put it this way. I don't know that Scangarello was rowing in the same direction as everybody else. And that's not to say he was like a malcontent or sure. cancerous presence or anything like that. I think there were. Oh, so one thing I did here that, that I feel pretty comfortable saying is that he was one of Mac Jones's biggest supporters leading into the draft. Mm-hmm. And he was also very much in line with that. He was very much a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. And so, you know, like the fact that, okay, Jimmy's more than likely gone. Trey Lance is going to be the starter. Like it's not knowing that it's not entirely surprising that Scangarello jumped ship. And I know he's probably getting much more money 
at Kentucky and he's going to get play calling duties and, and a chance to maybe elevate himself down the line again to a coordinator job, which he struggled with in Denver and in Philadelphia. Um, so there's that <laughs> like, like the, the quarterback job, even if greasy isn't necessarily an upgrade, it might be, some might view it as addition by sub- subtraction in terms of Scangarello uh, in terms of his departure, because he might, he might not have been a Trey Lance guy, so to speak, mm-hmm. given that um, it sounds like he was such an adamant proponent of, of taking Mac Jones there. He was also a big Nick Mullins guy. He was. Yeah. So that that's where that's at. But who is it? Yeah. Great, great point by you there. The, <laughs> the other one that became official that we've known for a while is Anthony Lynn. Yes. Who's going to be the assistant head coach and the running backs coach with Bobby Turner taking a year off. Um, I also wonder how much he's going to help out with Chris Forster, who is now on top of being the offensive line coach is now the run game coordinator. I would imagine that Anthony Lynn will probably have a lot of say in those meetings. Yeah. I think if there's going to be somebody that's going to more directly replace Mike McDaniel, I think Anthony Lynn is, is most likely to be that guy. Yeah. Um, I think so too. And, and we'll have to see. I mean, we, again, we, we don't, we haven't heard from Kyle Shanahan in a while because he didn't go to the combine. We haven't heard from him since the you know exit interviews day exit interview day after the uh, NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So it would be it's going to be very interesting to hear his thoughts on how he compiled this staff and what their responsibilities are going to be because it's all new guys, right? You have a new right. receivers coach in Hankerson. You have a new um, running backs coach in Anthony Lynn. You have Forrester being elevated from offensive line to offensive line and run game coordinator. Um, you have Slowick moving up to uh, assistant quarterbacks coach. So it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting, and, and I'm curious how much of uh, of a transition it's going to be um, with all these guys. And sometimes you know sometimes you need new blood, and I do think there's a schematic element too that when you're transitioning from a one quarterback who has a certain skill set to another, maybe this gives the 49ers an opportunity to be a little bit more expansive schematically with Trey Lance, who, you know, is probably going to run a very different version of this offense compared to what Jimmy Garoppolo has done. Yeah. I think there's, I definitely think there's something to that. And I think too, one of the, one of the keys for the coaching staff, I think will be simplifying. Isn't the word I'm looking for, but ensuring Stream, th- streamlining. Yeah. Stream streamlining the offense. So like, it's not like Lance is coming in on ground zero. Like he's had the playbook. He worked with at least part of the playbook this year, but I do think that there's going to be enough of a learning curve for him as just a starting quarterback that it's going to, the onus is going to be on the coaching staff. And again, like, like you said, this is largely on Kyle Shanahan, but not all of it's on Kyle Shanahan, the coaching staff, ensuring that Lance is put in a position where he's just going out and playing football and they're devising game plans that are, that are going to maximize what he's able to do in week one. And then when he develops some more, what he's able to do in week five and then seven, rather than in week one, just trying to throw everything at him all at once. Cause like you said, I think it is going to look 
a little bit different than the offense he he practiced and and studied last year. Absolutely. The other the other big I say big the other hire of note is Brian Schneider, who's the new special teams coordinator. Uh, Richard Hightower left and took that same position with the Chicago Bears. Left kind of a, in, in quotes. <laughs> mutually parted ways. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he exited the 49ers organization and now he's with the Bears. Yeah. But that was unit was a disaster for the 49ers this year. Like it was a direct reason they lost at least at least that Seahawks game turned because of the 73 yard fake punt touchdown. They gave up a potentially huge fourth down conversion on a fake punt in the playoffs against Dallas in the wild card round. Like there was just there were a lot of problems on special teams this year with with long returns and the the Vikings had a return for a touchdown in a close game. So I think that having Schneider who's had a lot of success as a special teams coordinator will, uh, will be helpful. Even if it's not something that is a a really glaring change. I don't have a whole lot on the Schneider hire, to be honest. Um, That's fine. I didn't expect you to. Yeah. I know he's, uh, his Seahawks teams early on, um, I think Matt Barrows wrote it. They were top five in DVOA special teams for four of his first six seasons in Seattle last decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, Fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, it's obviously not a bad thing. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, what, what I've heard about, um, about Hightower's exit was that, you know, the Niners, he basically, the Niners allowed him to take another job. And if, he didn't take that other job. I think he would have been relieved of his duties officially. Sure. Which isn't exactly surprising. So we'll see. I mean, you know, one thing that did happen with the 49er special teams, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but like there were, they, they spent a significant portion of the season with a lot of their like backups and key special teams guys hurt, you know, like Hufanga was hurt for a little while. Trent Cannon had that um, scary head injury in Seattle Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the corner, the cornerback situation was constantly in flux, right? Um, Josh Norman had to play special teams late in the season. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to absolve Hightower of, of anything, but I do just want to point out that like the, there were roster issues that happened throughout the season that contributed to their special teams issues. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of wild that they basically won the Packers game because they're special teams. The Packers were like the only team in the league with worse special teams than them. And it turned out to swing the game. It was wild because a really lot of, crazy. A lot of people were writing about like the the Packers special teams and well, they, they might actually be worse than the Niners before the game. And I, I kind of like discounted it. Like it, I mean, it don't... right. You never think it's going to matter. Yeah. And then it was like, Oh no, there were two, two, two giant plays that it, basically gave the 49ers a 10 point swing in that game. Yeah. So wild. Anyway. Really crazy. You want Schneider? I, I said it before the pod, but Brian Schneider basically if you're named Brian Schneider, you sound like you're a special teams coach. I agree with you. That sounds like a special teams coach name. Very strong sp- teams coach name for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All 
teams the analysis people tune in for it. coaching teams <laughs> teams third phase big football guys uh <laughs> let's hit a break and talk about saquon Barkley. we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right. The 49ers, according to Fox Bet, are plus 350 to land Saquon Barkley, one of the betting favorites. And I don't need to go super deep into this. I just don't think that that's a thing that's going to happen, but I wouldn't doubt because it makes sense. Like a player with Saquon Barkley's talent in a Kyle Shanahan offense is undoubtedly enticing and something that people are going to talk about, but he has a $7.2 million cap hit. He's going into the final year of his rookie deal. Um, he's probably going to want an extension with whatever team he goes to. And just to put his $7.2 million cap in perspective, the 49ers between Raheem Mostert, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jamichael Hasty, Trenton Cannon, and Trey Sermon last year paid $8.7 million for their entire backfield. So one player eating $7.2 million in cap space doesn't seem like a thing that they would be willing to do. Uh, they could, they could, limit that number a little bit if they extended him i think right well yeah they could extend him but i think sorry i was trying that was a really sloppy handoff i was trying to like no i don't think they would extend him from the jump because i don't think saquon's really in a position to get an extension i think he would be better off playing out the season and then if he has a good year then then getting a new contract next season but you remember the 49ers were in on Le'Veon bell in free agency in 2019 and then they were almost in it again when he sprung available from the jets in 2020 Mm -hmm. i believe that's right and i remember talking to kyle shanahan 
or actually, I sorry, I didn't talk to Kyle Shanahan. I asked Kyle Shanahan in a press conference about <laughs> about no, that's the thing you he said to you. He said to me directly to me. No one else could hear it. Um, I remember asking him in a press conference about running back valuation and and just sort of that whole idea. And what he said surprised me because I just assumed he would say something to the effect of, yeah, we're not going to invest premium resources in a running back because, you know, we believe in our system and we believe we can find, you know, unearthed gems late in the draft or undrafted free agency. And, um, you know, we've been we've been efficient. Look at our track record. He kind of said the opposite. Like you're always looking for an elite guy like that. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of similar to how he talks about quarterbacks and that like. I didn't really know what to take away from that because the track record says the exact opposite of the, of like, yeah, we're, we'd right. love to have an elite running back. So there could be part of Kyle Shanahan that says, yeah, Saquon Barkley in this system healthy. Like that could be, you know, he could be the best running back in the league for us. Uh-huh. Um, but I just don't, I can't get over the, just the track record, right? Like it, it just doesn't track with everything else the 49ers have done since Shanahan's been here, what Shanahan's done since before he got here, right? It's mm-hmm. been like, you know, draft Tevin Coleman in the third round or, uh, you know, and, and signed up somebody like Tevin Coleman in free agency or, you know, and I know Bobby Turner not coaching this year, I think is going to have a significant impact on the way they address the running back position. Mm-hmm. But it does sound like from what I've heard, and I would need to double check on this, but I think Turner's going to stick around through the draft process. So maybe he can help, you know, recruit and land, you know, either find a, a late round guy or potentially recruit undrafted free agents, which I, which is clearly what Turner has been really good at since coming to 49ers and basically throughout his entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there will be an element of Kyle Shanahan saying, man, that that could be really good. But I think realistically, when you look at what the 49ers just got out of Elijah Mitchell, and if you extrapolate that to say, well, he could be even better in 2021 or sorry, 2022, what year is it? It's 2022, right? Yep. It sure Um, is. (laughs) uh, Then, you know, you could, you could say, well, they don't need to invest whatever it would take to get Saquon Barkley when they could probably get a similar level of production by drafting somebody on, you know, day three. Yeah. And if they didn't, if they didn't have Elijah Mitchell coming off the season, he just had, I think I'd probably feel different. Yeah. But Elijah Mitchell looked like a player who could be an elite, like top three or five running back. If he's able to stay healthy. And that's the the other thing with, with Saquon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that's a that's a Saquon issue too. He missed games because of injury last year after tearing his ACL in 2020. Right. So you're paying 7.2 for a guy who's been hurt the last two years. I just don't. I don't. Like you said, it. If they did it, it would be like okay. I see the goal. I see the vision. <laughs> right. But it would just be. It would be kind of a pretty hard left turn from from how they've how they've addressed that position. As somebody who watched Ohio State football, like when Saquon Barkley was at Penn State, it was, I forget what year it was, but Ohio State's obviously had a lot of good teams. Mm-hmm. It was jarring how good Saquon Barkley looked against Ohio State when they played. I remember there was one game he had like 200 yards in the horseshoe. And I was like, this guy is completely insane. <laughs> and he was like, I think he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. It was like just completely 
like nuts his what, what he was doing in college <laughs> and i understand why he was a top three pick but it's also i mean the same thing with zeke elliott right like it's it's a cautionary tale you can have an elite talent and maybe it'll work for you for a couple of years but ultimately that's it's very hard to justify a running back that early in the draft in the long run and like you know what's what's saquon barkley going to go for in a trade like a third a fourth um would you rather trade a third for one year of Saquon Barkley or just draft a running back in the third? You know, you're going to have cost controlled for four years. I draft a running back, especially with Elijah Mitchell already on the roster. Yeah. I think that's what I'm doing. Uh, real quick, Saquon in his, in his last two years mm-hmm. at Penn State, he carried the ball 489 times, rushed for 2,767 yards, 36 touchdowns had a thousand thirty four yards receiving caught seven touchdowns and returned two kicks for touchdowns i'm gonna pull up his game log i want to read off that an, one. Uh, he was so i don't i think someone smarter than me said this that jonathan taylor is the running back we thought saquon barkley was going to be and i i i think i agree with that but this his college production is what makes even despite his injuries and despite the fact he's been super disappointing on the giants what he did in college still still resonates hard enough that it's like dude if he says if he doesn't want an extension if he wants to have a prove it year and the giants want a fifth for him it becomes really really tough to put a thumbs down on that yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think he's still, and again, this is a guy who averaged, who hasn't averaged more than four yards of carry in two seasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the he averaged stink, dude. 3.7 last year on 162 carries in two games in 2020 before he tore his ACL, he was averaging 1.8 yards per carry. But yeah, the Giants stink. They had no passing game. Um, and if you go back to his rookie season in 2018, he had 2,000 scrimmage yards and 15 touchdowns. Like That's outrageous. 91 catches <laughs> that year. So, yeah, I mean, the quarterback, the, the, quarter, the running backs conversation obviously has been had in many different places, and I don't really feel like rehashing it, but I'd bring in Saquon Barkley for a fourth or fifth round pick and if the giants were willing it like if they were so desperate to get out of saquon barkley 7.2 million that they were gonna say hey we'll take on three or four million of this of this money i would do that oh for sure i'm not paying 7.2 and i'm not giving up a third i might i might pay 7.2 yeah i mean they just have some (laughs) they just have some serious gymnastics so let's from a cap standpoint yeah, well, let's 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 talk about the running back position in general. Let's put a pin in Saquon Barkley. Let's just say that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's Elijah Mitchell on the roster. It's Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. Yep. Are the two running backs on the roster right now, the two draft picks from last year. Let's start. So Elijah Mitchell is, is I think, RB1 going into the year. Do you have any hope that Trey Sermon's going to, figure it out or is he going to be an just a, another whiff 
on a on a running back in the draft. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Like it was. I was gonna say catastrophic whiff, but that's too strong. So just no, regular not... whiff, just a yeah. swing and a miss. Yeah, like a Dante Pettis type whiff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it was a third round pick, but they did they did trade two fours to, to move right. up in round three to get him. Um, I like I would be cautiously optimistic, right? Like he he played for two really high level programs in college at Oklahoma and Ohio State. I think when everybody or when they drafted him, a lot of smart people were like, this is a fantastic pick. He fits perfectly with what they want to do. Um, And I don't think that's entirely like, I don't, I don't think that the idea that he can succeed, like, I don't think we can throw that out entirely. Um, And I do wonder, and I've said this before, but like, did they draft him specifically to run a certain style with Trey Lance? Right. Right. Like that's something that we haven't, we obviously didn't get to see during his rookie season, both because injuries and because he was buried on the depth chart when Jimmy Garoppolo was quarterback for most of the year. Um, so they, they're going to give him an opportunity to be a good player. I mean, on paper and, you know, when you just look at their skill sets, I think Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell complement each other very well, mm-hmm. but is Trey Sermon going to be decisive enough as a runner? Is he going to be North and South or is he going to have sort of Carlos Hyde syndrome of dancing around and not hitting the hole as aggressively as he needs to because really that's the thing that Kyle Shanahan values in running backs is can you just be a one cut and go guy can you identify the hole quickly can you maximize the yardage you're going to get by by hitting the hole before the defense can react or fill those run lanes because if you dance around, that's like that's that's how you get benched by Kyle Shanahan, right? You like dance around behind the line of scrimmage. You you right. aren't running forward. Indecisive. That's indecisive. And that's why I mean Raheem Mostert's so good at that, in part because of his speed, also because he's just a very decisive runner. Elijah Mitchell just hits a hole really hard. Um, but what I mean, it's also why running backs get hurt in Kyle Shanahan's system a lot. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not Frank Gore prodding through running lanes at very low speeds and just getting, you know, four or five yards when he can in a cloud of dust. It's like we're running a pitch outside. Our running back is going 18 miles an hour and he's colliding with the linebacker or right. safety who's also running 18 miles an hour, right? It's, right. it's a very different style and I think a much more punishing style. But, I mean, that's an aside you know, they do run more power and gap schemes inside. I would imagine they're going to do even more of that with Trey Lance there. And now Chris Forrester involved in, in being run game coordinator. So, yeah, I, I think I'm optimistic still about Trey Sermon because I think there's a lot of talent there. And I think what made him intriguing as a prospect still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm curious to see, like, what's the call on Raheem Mostert, right? Do you bring him back? at a certain dollar figure right. or do you say we would rather just draft a guy in the fifth round or whatever um jeff wilson Mo- jr same thing like you could probably get jeff wilson jr cheap you know he fits the offense you, i think wilson is a great compliment to mitchell and sermon also um, the the baffling thing for me with wilson specifically was because elijah mitchell was 25 26 27 carries a game and he got hurt and Jeff Wilson came in and started to, he struggled out of the gate, but kind of got his legs returning from that knee injury. 
and I thought he was running well. Mitchell comes back and it's like, all right, the Niners are going to do the one, two punch thing where, you know, it's Mitchell for 15 or 20 a game. And then Wilson for, for five to 10 a game. And Wilson, I don't think had a carry once Mitchell came back. And I know they liked Mitchell a lot, but Wilson couldn't get a touch. That seemed kind of odd to me. That makes me wonder if they're just, they're, they're, they're cool off Jeff Wilson. Then they'll go try again in the UDFA pool or something. Yeah, potentially. I think that stuff, a lot of that, or most of that was just the way they felt about Mitchell. Like they thought Mitchell was just a guy you, you have, you have to give the ball to, or you can't really take off the field except on third down when you throw to Michael Hasty in there, which will continue. You're not going to, you're not going to not put to Michael Hasty on the field. The, the reliance on Jermichael Hasty on third down was one of the more odd things in, um, so in that season. And it, I mean, this wasn't the reason why the play didn't work at the end of the NFC championship game, but like it was kind of fitting in my mind that it was a heave to Jermichael Hasty that got intercepted in the end of the 49er season. There's just, there's no way they can go into a year again with their backfield depth in, in a spot where Jermichael Hasty is the definite best option on third down agree um and when you look at like the free agent running backs there's a lot of players that just fit that like oh yeah that's a pass catching like third down type of back who isn't going to be super expensive who would probably be more expensive than jamichael hasty but would also probably be a little bit more productive and with anthony lynn something more anthony lynn coached austin eckler right Mm-hmm. And wouldn't somebody like that be sort of the perfect addition to this 49ers offense, like a scat back who could catch passes out of the backfield um, and just compliment everybody else and maybe help out on special teams as a returner. Yeah. Um, I know. I know you didn't mean this, but it super sounded like you said, they should just get Austin Eckler. <laughs> Can the I Niners mean, get it, Austin Eckler? It, it wouldn't I be agree. the worst idea. I have no <laughs> idea what it would cost. Probably way too much, but I mean, Austin uh, Eckler and Kyle Shanahan's offense could be nasty. Watch out. Watch out. Heard um, it here first. I'm just <laughs> Will the 49ers tra- make that the, the title of the podcast? I don't think we're big enough to have aggregators. No, we're definitely not. But that would be a really funny thing if somebody like pulled it and like there's <laughs> a blog post like Niners, Austin Eckler, question mark. Reporting. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it would be more like listen to what these two idiots said oh yeah uh no but guys like i mean i think david johnson's kind of washed but like david johnson kind of washed david johnson's super washed but is he better than (laughs) michael hasty probably jalen richard former raiders running back as a free agent like he fits that bill is marlon mack better than michael hasty at this point probably maybe But you're paying like the thing is with right, you're veteran, gonna pay more. Yeah, you're just paying like sure. 180 cents on the dollar for somebody that you could probably get in the draft. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, what do you think they do with Raheem Mostert? I have a, this feeling they're gonna bring him back. I think Mostert's gonna be back. I I tend to think they won't bring him back because of don't... the injury stuff, and I think he's going to want more money. I don't think it's um, gonna be there though. He's 30 and he's coming off nine games in two years with no track record of being good in any offense aside from this. one. But the thing is the Shanahan tree is, is there are a lot of branches 
now throughout the league in terms of teams that run that system. I guess. Like, I mean, he lives in Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski runs the offense. They have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And they're going to pay for and and what's the? But I, I mean, they Dearness you know, Johnson, Kareem Hunt missed a bunch of time. Nick Chubb missed a bunch of time. I'm just saying it's possible. Like you, yeah. So throwing another guy misses a bunch of time. I'm just saying, like it's not. It wouldn't. I I think Mostert could be good for a lot of different teams. Like, it, imagine if the Packers brought in Raheem Mostert somehow. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Yeah, but like that's how Raheem Mostert emerged as a good player was there being other running backs ahead of him on the depth chart. And then it was like, holy shit, look at this change of pace guy. Yeah. He's way faster than the guys we have. So, I, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I mean, the whole the, the fact that Raheem Mostert got hurt in week one and then Kyle Shanahan came out and said it would be a six to eight week injury or whatever it was. Mm hmm. And then Mostert came out and said, no, I'm going to have surgery and be done for the season. Something just felt amiss there. Um, and Raheem Mostert, and I don't know, I don't know if this is posturing or what, but it, it was notable to me that like for a lot of home games, he showed up in the press box like during games just right. to kind of say hi to everybody. And like a lot of people would tweet about it and like, oh, Raheem Mostert said hi, his, his rehab's doing well. Like that feels like, and again, I'm not saying this with any amount of certainty, but that feels like to me something somebody would do if they're about to hit free agency. Be like, go up, be visible to the media, say, hey, my recovery's going well, I'm going to be fine. Oh, he's going to hit free agency for sure. I just don't know how big the market's going to be. That's all. Right. And well, yeah, I mean, if the 49ers knew they were going to get 14 games of Raheem Mostert and he would take $3 million, then I think it's certainly a possibility. But I think he's very low on their priority list, particularly after what Elijah Mitchell did last season. Yeah, I think that's right. But I wouldn't be surprised if it winds up like a K1 Williams thing. Yeah. where his market just never quite develops and he winds up back with the 49ers on a relatively cheap one, maybe two-year deal. Can you see like Nathaniel Hackett being like, yeah, we got Raheem Mostert. Yeah, that's our guy. Yeah. <laughs> Matt that, was, that was a great Nathaniel Hackett impression by both of us. Yeah, you, you know, we crushed it for sure. We've been working on that. Yeah. <laughs> I could also, I could see, no, like the, it would be, now I'm just thinking about Raheem Mostert on different teams. Raheem Mostert as the backup to Jonathan Taylor would be nasty. Yeah. That'd be tough to deal with. Um, all right. Getting handoffs from Jimmy Garoppolo in Indianapolis. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, JD McKissick, also uh, a free agent. Great. The Michael Jordan of Jamichael Hasties. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what's the Niners backfield look like next year? It's Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, I'm Jeff go, Wilson. I, I'm with I'm with you, Jeff Wilson, and then UDFA TBD. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. Maybe Jermichael Hasty. I think he's exclusive rights, right? Yeah, but he'll he might at least not make be on the, the offseason roster. Yeah. yeah, he'll be on the team in training camp. I think Mostert's back. It's my official prediction. Okay, I disagree. Um, but that's fine. Then why are we hosting a podcast together? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> You're I in think, my wedding, dude. I, okay, we get it. You're getting married. 
That's just my excuse for everything. Like, bro, you're in my, come on. Agree with my Raheem Moser take. <laughs> this is going in the speech. Just, just, I'm, not, just, I'm not making a speech. Just, hey, I, I'm baby, not making a speech, am I? No, no, no. Uh, I got to, hey, baby. We want your guests have fun. I got to find it. I got to find a new groomsman. <laughs> Why? What happened? Chris disagreed with my Raheem Mostert take. <laughs> he thinks Mostert's going to play for the Broncos. Can you bullshit. believe this? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I the same thing goes for the running back group as the receiving core. Like, you know, I think they could use a slot receiver, kind of like a jitterbug punt return guy, what Trent Taylor was. Um, Mm-hmm. something similar for the running back group to like upgrade that to Michael hasty spot. And if he helps in the return game, that's, that makes him all the more valuable. Like that, I think they could afford, like they should definitely try to add a third down back specifically this off season, because I don't think Jamichael hasty was a plus for them. I agree. I'm, I haven't done a deep dive into the day three slash UDFA draft picks yet. Or, Which is or our, our favorite annual pastime. It is. Um, but at some point, at some point closer to the draft, we'll do that. We'll take a look at some of the running backs who might be available. I had Elijah Mitchell in a uh, to the Niners in a six round mock that I wrote for the B. Yeah, no big deal. Huge. Not huge. Just, you know, put some respect on my name. I will. <laughs> I will. I'm so sorry. You're back in. Okay, never mind. Oh, I'm back. I can did, I can wear the suit to the wedding. Chris's now. prediction. <laughs> I don't have to return the suit. He had Elijah Mitchell in the sixth round of the Niners. Unbelievable call. Totally makes up for the Raheem Mostert take. <laughs> All right, we're gonna get out of here. Yes. The 49ers running back situation. I feel like it's never that interesting because it's like, yeah, they're gonna be productive regardless of who they throw in there, but they're gonna have some calls to make, and I think there's gonna be some changes. So we will continue to monitor that situation. By the time you're listening to this, it's going to be inside of a week until the legal tampering period begins. So free agency stuff's going to start moving and we'll be on top of it. Subscribe, rate, review, and uh, keep on listening. Will Jimmy Garoppolo get traded by the time this podcast come out? comes out? Comes out? Yeah, dude. It's 5.40 p.m. Pacific. This will come out Tuesday morning. So Jimmy will be gone? <laughs> Is that what you said? I've been I'm manifesting the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, but I don't think it's going to happen within the next this will drop in probably twelve or thirteen hours. So no. Yeah, we'll see. I have no feel for it. It'd be a lot cooler if it did. Yeah. Alright. Alright. Yeah. See you guys. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.